I'd like to welcome everybody to the relaunch of the Philadelphia Youth Basketball or PYB podcast series. Today, my first episode is with Mr. Peter Kaffenberger, and we delve into the academic program of PYB, the past, the present, and the future, and PYB's mission with their academic program. I want to welcome on my guest today, Mr. Peter Kaffenberger. Pete, how you doing? Doing great, Danny. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Happy to get this podcast series back up off the ground this summer. Um, so just to start, for those who don't know, Pete is a native of Millville, New Jersey. But given his time with PYB, his time at Temple, CCP, etc., he certainly earned himself an adopted Philadelphian title. So, Pete, you did a... You got your associates in psychology at CCP, and then you got your bachelor's in psychology from Temple. So graduating Temple, what was what was your plan to do that? Was was PYB in your future already, or what was what was your goal coming out of Temple? My goal coming out of Temple was to not be a terrible failure. Uh, I got an email from PYB uh, saying you can kind of coach basketball and work with kids in the classroom and I thought maybe I'll be a teacher or something I like basketball let's give this a shot um, and ever since then uh, PYB's CEO Kenny Holzman keeps finding new streams of work for me which I'm so grateful for and it seems like it's been a pretty common trend here for people like you people who are also on the staff like Kyle Lafferty and Randy Butler to kind of start in a much smaller role and, and work your way up. So for those who don't know, you started as a program impact analyst and academic mentor in our middle school partnership program. And roughly three years later, you're now on the full-time staff as the social impact coordinator. So take us through your journey a little bit with PYB. So it's not really any full stops from one position to another. Um, I'm sure that's how everyone's job is, but it's just kind of my work started bleeding into other areas, and now I'm in charge of, um, I'm kind of our, the steward of our data, of our grades, attendance, um, social and emotional learning data about our kids um, that we use to inform our practices. I make our curriculum for our academic piece, and I still run some academic sessions in summer camps and uh, check up on coaches for program quality. So given that the kids we serve are, like all kids, in school from roughly 8 to 3 every day, what's, what's the full role of PYB in the academic program? Is it to help kids with what they're learning in school, to teach them additional things? What do you view and what does the organization view as the, the, the main duty and responsibility of the academic program? So we're a living, breathing organization. Um, you might get a different answer about the main duty of our academic program or the main aims from different people, but they'll all be sort of similar flavors. Uh, for me, um, I don't think that kids need another two hours of school after eight hours of school. So. I, our program academically is about our coaches connecting deeply with the kids that we empower, 
um, through the context of basketball to work on critical thinking, public speaking, debate, um, reading comprehension, and just working through having your, your voice valued in an academic context and reintroducing that um, to the kids. And how much has PYB's academic program grown and, and developed in your time? And can you point to any kind of major additions or improvements that have been made in your three years? We're growing all the time. I'm always trying to get smarter about what we do and be pragmatic about where's the intersection of our kids' um, abilities, of their energy after school, of our mentors' abilities to relay this information. Um, you know, I'm always trying to get smarter and more, more pragmatic about how to have maximum impact in the space we're in and out of school time. So some stuff that's changed is... Um, We've moved toward having the intersection of sport and society be our full-time content piece. Um, kids talking about something as complex as the system of the NCAA, um, because they know basketball, they can access that content, that kind of um, really complex system um, with the coaches and connect about it and think about big ideas in the world. Um, and we're talking about sixth, seventh, eighth graders that don't really feel connected the content that they're talking about in school to real world stuff. So I'm always trying to get better with that. So clearly you and, and PYB as a whole really see this incredibly strong link between sports and society and the social impact they can have. So how would you respond to someone who says, keep politics out of sports or, or keep society out of sports? Not that PYB has any political agenda, but obviously we're trying to kind of incorporate real-world issues into sports. So how would you respond to someone who basically says just let people play up and down the court and keep everything else aside? The shut up and dribble sort exactly, of thing? Exactly, exactly. Um, in my role at PYB, I'm, I'm no activist. I want kids to wrestle with these ideas and think for themselves about whether someone like LeBron James should be involved in talking about presidential politics um, or Stephen Curry or, or anyone like that. Um, I want our kids to form their opinions, you know, w without regard to what their mentors are, are saying to them or anything. Um, I want them to really think. So there's no, there's no activist point of view from PYB. Um, I might have my own, but I, I try to keep it totally out. Mm -hmm. uh, just to give a little bit of context of where we're doing this, today is Wednesday and we're at day three of our Jefferson University camp are in our um, collegiate summer camp series. So, so far the kids have had three different um, times, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in the academic room. Take the listeners through a little bit of what they've been doing in those three days. Well, yesterday and today have been two different subjects, but they're, this week has been kind of NCAA themed. Yesterday we talked about uh, the story where Zion broke through his Nike PG 2.5 um, and seriously risked injury playing for Duke where he's not paid um, and he's insured you know, a $100 million Nike contract if he goes straight to the NBA. Um, but there's this one-and-done rule. So I'm having the kids think through um, – what the NCAA is, how that affects real people and athletes that they admire, and the real-life consequences um, of, of what goes on in systems like that. That was yesterday, Zion Williamson. The kids get all pumped up to talk about Zion. They know Zion. Everyone, today knows, we, Zion. everyone knows Zion, right? 
we talked about Tom Izzo, um, his kind of tirade at Aaron Henry in a huddle today, and whether coaches should still be able to scream at kids. And I chose this lesson uh, purposely because we have so many coaches in, on our PYB staff who have had really tough coaches yell and scream, um, but they're people that they love, so it's, it's complicated uh, how a coach treats a player and what they seek to get out of a constructive criticism, whether they're screaming and pointing in their face or putting an arm around them and saying, I care. Uh, so I want our kids to think about why coaches do what they do and really look into the nuance of an interaction like Tom Izzo screaming at a college kid. Mm-hmm. And PYB at this point has three major um, programs going. So the Collegiate Summer Camp Series over the summer, uh, Hoopers, the Girls Empowerment Initiative, and the Middle School Partnership Program that goes on during the school year. So how or does the academic um, program differ across the three platforms? Well, we're always dealing with sport and society. The intersection of sport and society is how our kids access these ideas. Um, what differs in the summertime is we'll have kids repeat week after week. So I have to come up with 18, 20, 25 distinct lessons where kids are you know, harvesting value out of it and thinking hard, but they're not being drowned in this you know, social justice context where they just feel, you know, they're, they're kids still. You don't want them to be thinking about marching in the streets and how the color of their skin plays into their their uh, options in life. You know, you just want to let them be kids still. Um, so you have to really balance that in summertime when you're giving kids 20 straight lessons about sport and society. In middle school partnership, we're with kids Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So um, we can really spend a week on a topic and give kids time to let it breathe and they can think about it. And then by the time we get to Saturday, um, kids have developed their own kind of perspectives on everything. Right. And having um, worked with a lot of kids who are enrolled in Philadelphia public and charter schools that are often under-resourced and underserved, is there one particular area, be it their critical thinking skills, their writing skills, reading skills, math skills, et cetera, that's particularly lacking in schools, or is it kind of a combination of, of, of them all? Kids are people. They're all different. Um, and schools are, schools are under all kinds of pressure, and there's high teacher turnover. So at some schools, a math teacher might quit in the middle of the year, and everyone's math grades suffer, and there's no question about why. Um, the same might be true of their reading and writing teacher in another school. So the unique situations, to me, often determine um, the kids' deficiencies. But I, I always think that everyone should read early and often. And um, how much you read when you're a child is predictive of so many kinds of success. So I, I always try to focus on reading in our programs. And how do you strike that balance of making reading something that kids don't feel like they're forced to do? And it's, it's something they enjoy speaking from personal experience. I, I definitely, um, unless it was a, a Mike Lupica sports book when I was younger, I, I didn't really get into much uh, free time reading. So how do you kind of make it something they enjoy while they're still benefiting from it? It's how you put the ball on the tee, right? When you introduce a topic and you ask a question that you see a bunch of heads turn and kids kind of perk up, then you know you have them for the article. Here's the issue. I want to know what you have to say about it. 
let's read about it and form our perspectives and then I want to hear from you like giving kids that space and setting it up like that um, I think is the most important thing and the basketball space is everything kids love basketball and there's so much hot content so and speaking of of basketball how have you found that I mean at least from my experience this game kind of has a magical ability to rope people in you look at the NBA there's not games going on right now but there's so much talk of the littlest trade so how how is the game of basketball able to engage kids even from an academic standpoint kids come to school because they want to come to PYB um, you know the game the game gets everyone to do stuff they might not do otherwise kids are reading in our camps this week because they want to play basketball kids read in our after school program because they want to play basketball and it's not to say that basketball's the, the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down it's a friendly context through which they can learn about themselves as a learner and connect with their coaches so having that basketball context is like the the best gift a teacher could have and there's there's always more more content and topics coming out of basketball like you mentioned with Zion Chu with the Izzo incident in, in talking to these kids about these these issues and these happenings, how much value do you see out of, of them being able to share their opinion? How, how do they respond to kind of knowing that people like you and our coaches in the camp really care about what they have to say? When I see a kid give an answer who's usually a behavior problem and I say, great answer, um, I love how you're thinking, and their eyes widen and brighten up a little bit, there's nothing like that that feeling of seeing that and I can tell there's nothing like that for the kid when they're being told sit down be under control you know stop misbehaving all the time Um, if they can just think about something like basketball and have a valued opinion they can stick out their chest a little bit and feel like oh I'm the way I think matters and I can really have a voice in the classroom and be a special person so as as PYB builds out its resource and if and when um, our, our center is up and off the ground and running, are there additional improvements you'd like to see in the academic program? Will it get to a point where kids will be tutored in, in real life, in, in real school subjects like math, like science, or do you think it'll, it'll stay kind of on that um, sport and society path? So I think we'll stay with sport and society outside of the center. You know, we're going to have a hub and spoke model where we're still in our middle schools running our program as it is now, um, the new and improved version as it comes every year. Uh, In the center, we're going to do everything we possibly can to help our kids thrive. Um, One, for instance, one thing that we're doing right now, we're trying to figure out how to support kids through the high school admission process in public school in Philly. I mean, it's... a shame. It really matters where you go to school in Philly in ninth grade. It, it's so, it's kind of determinant of so many life outcomes. Uh, so we're working on creating a path and guiding our kids through that process, and starting in sixth grade, so they can have the proper grades and everything to get into the high school of their choice. Uh, so that's that's one wrinkle that we would add into the center. I'm sure we'll have tutoring and everything else, um, and still have the middle school partnership model as well. And you talked about the importance and, and predictability of where you go to high school, your early reading, et cetera, et cetera. So what is your kind of 
interaction been with with data and, and how much do you use data on a daily basis to kind of drive what you and what PYB does? Data's huge for us. Um, when we're measuring pre and post tests of uh, a kid's social emotional learning, say for instance, their academic self-efficacy, you know, how they feel about themselves as a learner, or do they feel like they can walk into any classroom and learn on par or better than the rest of the kids in the classroom? When we get data back about a kid who, who's down on himself or herself in a classroom and they feel like they don't really have academic self-efficacy uh, in a strong way, they don't feel like they're a good learner in school, um, we get that information back and we know exactly how to pinpoint uh, an attribute like that with a bunch of resources we have through Hello Insight, our, our measurement suite. I'd be getting a little too far into the weeds. <laughs> but we use data to inform our programs. Um, we want to serve our kids the best we can uh, with the information we get back, and and data is so useful for that. So PYB has the privilege of being inside a lot of middle schools and the schools themselves working with the kids, which a lot of other organizations don't. So is there is there a portion of you or other people in the academic program directly communicating with the principals and the teachers about kind of like you said, self-efficacy and what you've learned, or is it not really at that point yet? We have a school liaison at every school. Um, you know, some more engaged than others. Some of our school liaisons go the extra mile every day and, you know, corral our kids and get them in the program and tell them how much it matters and follow up with us and exchange emails. Um, but we always have someone in the school that's connected with either the principal or they're on staff or they're a counselor or the, the, the coach that works with us is a teacher in the school. Um, we try to be a part of the fabric of the school community as much as we possibly can, and we're looking at ways all the time about how to be more so involved. What does is, what is the parental involvement look like? Parents love watching their kids play basketball on Saturdays. Um, you'll see, you'll get to know parents who, our coaches will text them that their kid just left and they're walking home, or um, they'll text, you know, can you stay after with so-and-so after a program for 10 minutes? I'm a little bit late to pick them up. Um, it's kind of that one-to-one -one interaction, that kind of intimacy that you get with our coaches um, and our parents. On Saturday, the, the love, I love when the bleachers are full and we see the parents there engaged, rooting for their kids. Um, in the future, we want to have more intentional connection with our parents. You know, this fall we're looking at getting um, more phone, phone numbers and email addresses of parents and really bringing them into this high school admissions process with the kids. And how much have you seen PYB in your three years kind of grow in credibility? Are you seeing that kind of kids are more willing to, to trust the coaches and the mentors that the parents and the schools kind of are, are more embracing of PYB. How much has its credibility been built up over the years? I'm nuts about program quality. All, all I do in all of our meetings is start fights about how we need to get our programs to a higher standard of quality. Um, and it's not because they're not quality programs already. It's because that's what, that's the fire in my belly, right? That's what makes me want to work harder here. I want to make our programs the best. Um, yeah, I, I think when I hear something like credibility with the schools or parents or teachers or 
gauging it or, or trying to access it in any way other than making our programs undeniably great, I, I just kind of, to a fault, shut off and say, like, no, that's not the way. The way to engage everybody is to make our programs so good um, that they can't deny us. So uh, that's kind of how I focus on connection with parents and and everything to do with um, PYB's credibility. Our credibility is based on our quality. And having spent a couple days here at the Jefferson Camp and in past summers, um, I can say undeniably that we are the best camp that blends kind of academics, leadership, uh, athletics in a, in a summer, uh, food even. But from, from your perspective, what are the steps that PYB needs to take from a programmatic perspective on the academic side to really reach its full potential? Oh, boy. Um, I think that the most important thing we can do in our programs is intentionally train our coaches to connect with our kids as deeply as possible. Uh, Kyle Lafferty, our, our operations manager, told me um, once that rules without relationships equals rebellion. You know, if you don't have a relationship with a kid, they don't want to learn from you. Um, I think that drives every outcome we want to see in our young people. So, yeah, in short, the, the, the biggest improvement in our programs is always going to be deeper connection with our mentors, and then everything else follows from that, including academic rigor and um, grades and all that stuff. So to get into a little bit of technical speak, um, you touch a little bit on PYB's theory of change in the quote-unquote SEL framework. Explain a little bit about what that is. PYB wants to change outcomes for kids. So when they come into our programs, we want to have them exit better than they, than they entered. Um, and... One of the ways we do that is through facilitating this connection with the mentors, um, you know, reading in the after-school program, having academic enrichment time. But the theory of change is kind of our path to here's our population of kids, here's what we're going to give them, this kind of mentor, this kind of program, and then it will yield this kind of outcome. Admission into a, a high school with a high college-going rate that's predictive of success in their future. So the, our theory of change is our theory of how we'll change the kids and in what ways will they be um, revealed by the end of our program. And what is, what is that SEL framework? What, is, what does that stand for and what does that mean? Social and emotional learning. So this is the um, interim outcome. It's, it's what's between us and our kids' success. It's how we access... Um, everything that we want them to achieve. Social and emotional learning, everything, every kind of learning is social and emotional. All learning is social and emotional. It's the foundation and the precursor to any kind of deep cognitive learning. If you don't know how to set goals, you're going to have trouble reading a long book that you have to read. If you don't feel um, academically efficacious, you're going to get down on yourself and think that, oh, I can't learn. I'll just give up. If you're not confident, you might not speak up in a room full of people. If you don't have social capital, you might not have access to a network where you can um, have successful outcomes. So these sorts of things are all parts of social and emotional learning that we try to 
help drive in our kids um, through connection with their mentor and the reintroduction of the academic atmosphere as somewhere fun and interesting where we talk about cool subjects and get kids to critically think and speak their minds about these subjects. So the majority of the kids we work with, or PYB works with, I should say, are in the middle school age bracket at this Jefferson camp. It's kids entering grades four through eight. Um, and like we talked about, that's kind of the time. A lot of them are looking to apply to the high school where they can really start to read or at least scratch the surface and reading some, some real life stuff. So what are the advantages of being able to work with kids in this age bracket? And is there any disadvantage to being with kids uh, at this point? I mean, think about yourself in middle school. You're, every middle schooler can go one way or another. Now, more some kids have bigger bumper lanes than other kids. You know, your parents are on top of you or you're in a great school or your neighborhood's safe. But fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade is a turning point for so many people and especially in Philadelphia. If you don't get into a decent high school, it's an uphill slog. You're climbing up a cliff face trying to succeed and get into a college. And you, you sort of need a degree or a technical skill um, not sort of. You need a degree or a technical skill to be successful in, in life now. Um, so working with this age group is a challenge and the ultimate privilege. You have the ability to really change uh, or empower a kid to change their own lives um, in, this, in this age bracket. And, and we're in year four of the program. So at this point, we've had some kids who've been with us all the way through. We've had kids who've spent uh, the past three years with the camp and are now in high school. Is there any plan in place or steps that PYB takes to be able to maintain these relationships of they were working with a kid and he's now in high school? Is there a plan to kind of help him with college or get through the high school work? Is it kind of we work with kids here and then hope to position them in a place where kind of there doesn't need to be that involvement in high school? It's the thing about um, following kids for a long time, right? It's, it's hard to keep track of them. It's one of the things that the center will be um, a huge deal for. Having, having a dedicated space where kids can come back and they know where to find us helps us keep track of kids like that. Um, but in the meantime, we definitely are, are always trying to keep track of every kid that we've ever had in the program and see them through as far as we possibly can. You know, we're trying to grow our bandwidth and know-how to ease that high school transition. And of course, we'd love to eventually ease that college transition. Um, we've been talking to Stepping Stone and a lot of places that really work hard in that space. Um, so yeah, we're always thinking about that and always trying to get smarter and hope to guide a kid from as young as possible to as old as possible um, the longer we go. And we're wrapping up here shortly. Just a couple more questions for you. So we've talked, and you've talked a lot about mentors in this case. What kind of defines the optimal mentor for a kid? How important is kind of how they look, what their interests are, versus kind of what they're saying to a kid, the age gap maybe? What's kind of, what defines the optimal mentor? And what, what types of people have, have been able to have the biggest impacts as mentors for these kids? Some people might disagree with me, but I think what defines um, the optimal mentor is being real. 
if you if you know your voice and and who you are as a person, you have ways of communicating with people and and facilitating connection with a young person that might be different than some other mentor. You know, in camp this week or in past um, past years, we've had coaches who are you know really accomplished basketball players and they're just cool to the kids and they can be the cool coach that kids want to hear a story or or joke around with them or you know play one-on-one outside that's great that's the way that coach connects with that kid I haven't had a distinguished playing career so I connect with kids by you know just straight up trying to ask them about themselves Um, you know how was your day how are you Uh, what did you go through this past week oh that sounds like it might have been hard can you tell me more about that I love to hear kids reach into themselves and and give give me some depth that they would only let certain people inside. So, um, yeah, in short, great mentors know themselves and know how to connect with kids. And any way they connect is fine with me. Um, but to your question about how they look and everything, um, we try to have mentors that look like our kids and come from the neighborhoods they come from and understand what they're going through. I think that matters too, um, you know, in, in a huge way for our middle school partnership program too. Um, and just wrapping up here, we've, we've, I, I know you've had plenty of interactions with our kids um, in the camps. Is there any one particular kid or one anecdote that you have that kind of really embodies what PYB does or gives full meaning to your work? Oh boy, so many faces go through my head. I think what I said earlier, is actually earlier in the camp day today, um, one of our kids who's a real, he's been a behavior issue for a lot of the coaches, he gave him some feedback today about how great it was when he raised his hand and offered his opinion on this subject and to see a kid light up like that every time is like the first time. So um, I love I love that part. Every little every little grain like that adds up to a a whole beach full of experiences for the kids. So um, I, I don't really think it's my place to tell any one kid's story about how we changed their lives or I saw them change. But I really love to be a part of of little changes like that that add up to bigger things. Got it. I want to thank everyone for joining us for the relaunching of this podcast. I want to thank Pete. He's certainly earned himself the title of a true Philadelphian and a true PYBian. Um, hashtag you are PYB, hashtag I am PYB, and hashtag we are PYB. Have a good one. Oh, man, that was a great way to end.